very challenging in that day and age to be a father, and um, I'm blessed to have my father still around, 83 years old, strong as an ox. I wanted to bring him here this morning, but we take precautions, and um, I got to spend time with him on Friday. I went to Tarpon Springs. We went to one of our favorite beaches on, in Tarpon Springs, and he lives in Palm Harbor, and I got to see my dad. He's completely blind, but he loves the Lord, and he's strong, and man, he is a man of God and, and passion and zeal, and I got to spend some time with him. Um, it was amazing. So guys, um, be, be, spend time with your family. It's important. One of the things he said, time is important. You know, sometimes I, I struggle with that myself, but it's important for us to spend time with our children. It's important for us to spend time with your grandchildren. And guys, there are many kids here in the church, kids and youth that need spiritual fathers. They need father figures in their life. And um, you guys could be that kind of people to really love on them and, and encourage them and show them the love of Christ. And man, it, that, that makes a huge difference. It made a difference in my wife's life when her, her father wasn't around um, to have the spiritual fathers in her life and it made a difference in her life. And look at the woman she is today, a minister of the gospel. And so you can make a huge difference and just always look for those opportunities to, to love on these kids. So my name is Pastor Raphael. I'm the student pastor here at New Life. And I wanna welcome everybody here today. And if you are watching online, I wanna welcome you. We know that most people will check us out online before we ever, they ever visit. So we look forward to seeing you soon, very soon to come and be with us here presently. Now today's message is not a message for fathers, but it's a message of receiving hope, finding and receiving hope. Um, this message is going to bless all of us this morning, not just the fathers. We, we will be even more what will be more important than just listening to the message is what is going on, what we're going to learn from it. Everyone gets a gift today. We are going to walk away with tools we can use every day in our lives. And by the way, we do have a gift for your fathers on the way out. Uh, we got a present for you. On the, on the ball, it says Ephesians 5.16, make the most of every opportunity, especially in this evil day. So that's a reminder to make the most of every opportunity. So on the way out, uh, Nick will be handing these out to you as to, for you to enjoy that with your kids, <laughs> your grandkids, amen? Make the most of every opportunity. We have a special gift for you. But everyone has unique situations and different things we are dealing with. But we have something in common. We are determined to get to a place where we will be expressing the hope that we have and sharing that hope, hope with love towards others. We have hope found in Jesus Christ, amen? I don't know how the world could live apart from Jesus Christ in the world that we live in today. And so the hope that we have is found in him, but we have to do some work in order to continue with that hope that he gives us, amen? It's not for us to sit and wait for him to show up in our lives. We have to be willing to pursue him and go after him with everything that we have. We have to be willing to say, you know what? No to everything else and yes to God first. Before we come to the house of the Lord, we got to be prepared and pray and seek his face before we step into this place because as we step into this place we come here to receive what God has for us amen don't just wait to get here to pray pray before you get here seek God's face and as I was preparing this message this week I'm pacing back and forth in the sanctuary praying on behalf of those who are here praying for every single one of us because we do live in a tough time and a day and age today and the only way we're going to make it is through Jesus Christ our Savior because he's not caught by surprise by any of this he knew it could have happened before it even happened. We don't serve a God who says, oh man, oh, I didn't know that was coming, right? We serve a God who is sovereign. We serve a God who is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows every single detail and situation that we're going to go through in life, and he is there to be with us and guide us. We want to express the hope that we have and share that hope with love towards others. 
So now it's time to strap on your seatbelts. The captain put his fastening seatbelt signs. We are taking off in three, two, one, lift off. In Proverbs 4, chapter 25 to 27, 23 to 27, that's the passage of scripture I'll be looking at this morning. It says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. And so the title of my message this morning is The Way of Wisdom, Guard Your Heart. This morning we're talking about guarding your heart. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you this morning, Lord. And I pray for us right now in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given me to share the word this morning, Lord God. And I believe, Lord God, we're going to be blessed and encouraged by this word. I pray, Father God, that as we continue to trust you and walk by faith and not by sight, the Lord, that we can live this out in our lives, Lord God. I pray that you'll prepare our hearts to receive and, Lord, leave here different than how we came in. Leave here expecting you to do something supernatural, Lord God, in our lives and to walk by, your, by faith, Lord, to walk in trusting you because you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. May I decrease and you increase in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord God. We want more of you, less of us, and none of this world. We give you all praise and glory and honor. And everyone says, amen. 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 Today in our journey to get to a place where we will be expressing the love, the hope that we have in sharing love, with, with, to, uh, love towards others, we are going to focus on the last three verses of this passage of scripture found in Proverbs 24, 23 to 27. Verse 25 says this, look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Here's the first thing, look straight ahead. Look straight ahead. And as I told you, my dad is completely blind, so he needs somebody to guide him. He needs somebody to hold him by the hand and help him look straight ahead. But there's things in life that could blind us, right? There's situations and circumstances that could come our way, and all we have to do is look straight ahead. We have to look to the one that gives us hope. We have to look for the one that can challenge us and bring us to the place that where we gotta go, right? But that comes with challenges and difficulty, and I wanna encourage you this morning to look straight ahead. Don't lose track. Don't lose your focus. Look straight ahead. And whenever I'm with my dad and I, carry, I hold him, I put his arm on his hand underneath my arm. And sometimes he likes to grab my, my biceps, like, oh, you, you've been working out. <laughs> right? It makes me feel good. I mean, I'm saying, okay, thanks, Dad. <laughs> you know? I remember hanging on his arm when I was a kid. And so I'm walking him, I'm, look, I'm being his eyes for him because he can't see, right? And that's what we need spiritually, right? To look straight ahead. We need our Savior. We need our Lord. We need people in our church to hold us by the hand and help us to look straight ahead. And when we read these verses, we can conclude that our mouths, lips, eyes, and feet are physical symbols for communication, attention, and behavior. However, if our hearts are filled with the trash of bitterness, unforgiveness, hatred, and racism, that's what's going to come out of what we say with our mouth. So for us to stop talking trash, we have to be careful with what we allow in our heart. Here's what it says in Luke 6:45. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. That's why we have to guard our heart, right? You ever listen to somebody talk? And you wonder, I thought they were a Christian. Right? You ever heard yourself talking and say, wait, where did that come from? Why? Because if we don't guard our heart, we're not careful with what I say, what we say, right? We have to be careful. We have to guard our heart because out of the heart, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the way to keep your heart pure is to fix your eyes on the Lord. 
Here's what it says on the screen. Eyes and eyelids that look straight ahead are to walk with purpose. We don't turn aside for sin or for anything that is unworthy. In this day when the media bombards us with trash designed to provoke our sinful nature, we must learn to keep our eyes on Jesus. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. <laughs> How many of you have tried to run with weights on you before? How difficult is that? So I got my helmet because I'm about to run all over this sanctuary. Be ready because I have a lot of energy, okay? I got my helmet. I got my gloves so I can punch whatever gets in my way, right? But, you know, I'm going to run this race, but I'm going to do this Ironman competition. You know, I watch sometimes those things, and I want to do a triathlon, and I, you know, I want to I be Mr. Muscle Man and Mr. Universe 500 times over, you know? And so I put this around my waist, this waist, this weight that I'm going to put so I can run this competition, right? And then I put these gloves on my hand so I can knock out anything that comes in my way. Because I used to watch a lot of Mike Tyson growing up, you know, so. And so I'm, I'm ready to take off. Actually, my, my, my string here is not cooperating, but hey, we'll do this. Right, I'm ready to take off. Running, ready? Three, two, one. I can't run. Why is it? Why is it that I can't run? The reason why I can't run is because I have a weight on my back, right? And what we got to do is we got to take off the weight from our shoulders, from our back. We have to take off the weight that hinders us and keeps us down in order for us to have to run the race with endurance. You cannot expect it to run in life with the weights on your shoulders. It's not for you to carry on your own. That's why it's important for us to come to church. Did I lose any battery? That's why it's important for you to come to church because you're not supposed to carry the weight by yourself. I don't understand why people will say, well, I don't need church. I mean, I could serve the Lord where I'm at. No, we're here to carry each other's burdens. We're here to lift each other up. You know, yeah, it's important that we are here. And if you're not able to come to church, then we understand that. But it's important for us to be here and, and do life together, right? It's important. It's harder for us to carry the baggage and to run the race. We must cut off the things that hold us back. All the baggage that we have that hinder us to run this race with, a Christ, with, with endurance. And here's what it says on the screen. The Christian life is a race that requires discipline and endurance. We must strip ourselves of everything that would hinder us. Everything that would hinder us. What are those things that may be harmless in themselves and yet hinder progress? These weights could also include material possessions. I got my super shotgun with a scope on it, and I could hit a, deer, I could hit a deer's nose hairs from 100 yards out, right? Material possessions could be a weight for us. I got my toys. Another thing that could be a weight for us is family ties. I got to wait till everything is perfect with my family before I pursue the call of God in my life. I want you to listen carefully. You will never be happy until you pursue the call of God in your life. Stop making up excuses because you're going to spend the rest of your life miserable if you're making up excuses for what you need to do for God. Amen. He's not waiting for you to be 100% ready. He just wants you to be obedient. 
And then another weight, another weight that could easily entangle us is the weight of the love for comfort. I don't want to rock the boat because then I'm going to get bit by this big bag people. I don't want to rock the boat, right? I'm not going to say nothing because I don't, I don't want them to not like me and dislike me. If you're worried about being like being in ministry, then that, that's the wrong place for you. You got to be real. Not a popularity, popularity contest, right? But then it's the weight that we get, we just get complacent, right? That's the weight. We get comfortable. Man, I've seen it all. I've done it all. I've been there, done that. Now I'm just going to hang out and sit down and let everybody else do it, let you guys do it because I've seen it all. That's a weight that could be on our shoulders. Yet there's so many opportunities for us to connect to the church and help out and make a difference in people's lives to help others to endure the race that they're faced with if we just get involved and help out. A lot of opportunities. Don't just sit there waiting for somebody else to do it. And you're wondering why. why. Why is my blessing not coming, Lord? Why is not my prayers not being answered? And God's saying, I want to use you in spite of the things that you're going through because maybe your story that you have can make a difference in somebody else's life. Don't wait till you get perfect because you never will be. i tell you that right now. I'm not perfect. Far from it. You never will be. But don't let the weight of material possessions and family ties and the weight of love for comfort and the weight of lack of mobility hinder you from running this race with endurance and make a difference in somebody's lives. We must also lay aside the sin which so easily trips us up. That means sin in any form, but especially the sin of unbelief. We must have complete trust in the promises of God and complete confidence that the life of faith is a sure way to win the race. We must guard our hearts against the idea that the race is an easy sprint, that everything in the Christian life is perfect, we must be prepared to press on with persistence through trials and distress. It's not an easy life, right? It's not. Because the enemy is trying his best to get at you. He's trying his best to keep you from running this race. He's trying his best to distract you. He's trying his best to keep you from looking ahead. And so the word this morning is look ahead. Look straight ahead. Keep your focus. Keep your attention. Keep on seeking him. And number two, watch your step. Mind the gap. In some countries around the world, right before you get onto the train, you have the platform, and there's a space in between the platform and the train, and they say, the mind of God, be careful, watch your step. Why? Because they don't want you to fall off the platform, right? So we got to watch our step. We got to be careful what we do, what we say. We all know that sin leads to regret, and the Bible explains it, and the experience of life confirms it. When we mess up, we cry, I've fallen into sin, but that's not true. No, no one falls into sin. We walk into sin one step at a time, and all along the way, with every step we take, the Holy Spirit says to us, watch your step, mind the gap, you're headed for problems and disaster, but we take one step and then another one until finally we're all knotted up and trapped. And we teach our kids to stop, look, and listen before they cross the street, right? We say, hey, before you cross the street, stop, look, and listen. Well, spiritually speaking, we need to learn to stop, look, and listen. The Holy Spirit is always speaking to us and letting us know, hey, you're losing, you're not fixing your eyes on the Lord, okay? You're not fixing your eyes on me. Watch your step. 
Be careful where you're going, what direction you're heading. Stop what you're doing. Don't take another step. Don't go in there. Don't hang around there. Look up and listen. We've got to get to a place where we say, Lord, you're with me, and I want to cultivate the practice of your presence in this very moment. I want you more in my life than a sin. We do that by spending time with God. We're fixing our eyes on him. If you think that this is a good word, but feels too, it's a little too late because you walked into a sinful situation. If you're already knotted up or trapped in sin, don't worry, there's hope for you too. Here's what it says in Isaiah 57, 52, 7, it says this, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger who brings good news, the good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. How beautiful. And I like, I imagine the feet described here are the feet of Jesus. Think about his feet. I see them walking on the waves of a storm, getting out of a boat without sinking. This shows that he's in control for whatever the situation you're walking in or sinking in. I see the feet of Jesus walking in Samaria where the Jews considered them to be half-breeds and therefore had nothing to do with them, but not Jesus. In fact, John tells us in John 4, he had to go to Samaria to give hope to one woman who had messed up her life. Imagine Jesus being on the water, walking towards you. And like Peter, he begins to sink because he lost track. He didn't keep his eyes fixed on the Lord. And Jesus is reaching out his hand and say, come on, I got you. Or he would go out of his way to go to Samaria to someone who was quote unquote unworthy to speak to a Samaritan lady and her life gets completely transformed and she goes back to her village and everybody gets saved because they see what God has done in her life. Where did God meet you? Did he meet you when you were drowning in your sorrows and your sins? Did he meet you while you were drowning, drowning and feeling like you were unworthy? Did he meet you while you were seeking, you were spiritually speaking out of well, looking for answers, looking for hope? Did he meet you there? See, Jesus walks where no one else does to bring good news to people who are hurting, to people who are in despair, to people like us. Now is the time to walk in freedom, but we have to get to a place that, number three, we don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Here's what it says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 32 to 33. So Moses told the people, you must be careful to obey all the commands of the Lord your God, following his instructions in every detail. Verse 33 says, stay on the path that the Lord your God has commanded you to follow. Then you will live long and prosperous life. Stay on the path that the Lord has commanded you to follow. We cannot get diverted in our walk with God. We have to stay on the path. Like I said, there's so many things that come our way that can get us, knock us off course. There's so many things that can distract us and we just have to stay on the path. To receive our healing, we have to call on the Lord to guide our steps when the devil sets traps in our way. Don't let the trap of unforgiveness set in you, the trap of bitterness stick with you, the trap of hatred consume you, and the trap of racism blind you from healing, that healing that's waiting for the healing that's waiting on the other side. You need to stop what you're doing, Look where you're at and listen to what God's saying to you. 
And oftentimes we want to hear God speak to us in an audible voice, right? We want to have this Moses encounter with God and we're looking for a burning bush. Sometimes I go looking for a burning bush. Lord, where are you? You know, are you here? And, and like Moses, he heard the voice of God audibly in his burning bush and, and we want to hear God. We're seeking him. God, speak to me. And oftentimes God speaks to us through circumstances. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us through the messages that are preached in the, in, in the congregation. He speaks to us through other people confirming what was already on our heart. He speaks to us in so many ways because he wants to rescue us from our troubles. But we want, we're waiting for an audible voice of God. And sometimes when we don't hear his voice, we get discouraged and we stop praying. We stop seeking his face. I think that only happens to me, right? Maybe first service there was people like that, but not here, right? We stop seeking his face. We get discouraged because we feel like, where is God? Where are you? And if you ask those questions, I always like to do this, and it, help, it helps, it helps. Look straight ahead. Watch your step. See where you, where you kind of off step. See if you got distracted by something else that's ca capturing your attention. I'll tell you what, this week has been the most intense week of my life. I know it because I knew it because I had to preach this morning. It was going to be intense. <laughs> but you know how you fight that battle? You pray. I mean, I went some, some tough times, some challenging times. I was, you know, my mom's been gone for six months now, as of yesterday. And I have, I mean, I've been thinking about her more than now than I have ever. I was just intense. And man, there was times I didn't, I didn't want to pray. I'm like, God, what's going on? What, what, <laughs> why? And I just continued to seek his face. I continued to pray. I continued just to press in. And this is the reason why the, the, the Lord gives us a spiritual gift, right? He gives us when we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, he gives us a prayer language, because sometimes we don't know what to pray. We just pray in the Spirit. Groaning. Praising God to get us through the storm. So how do you guard your heart? How do you do that? The answer is in verse 25. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. You have to look in that direction. You have to look straight past your pain. You have to watch your step, keeping your focus and not get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. Look straight ahead. That's how you guard your heart, right? Don't listen to all the other stuff. People can talk, keep on walking. Don't worry about being liked, right? Just do what God called you to do. Honor God. So here's the thing I want to make sure you leave here with. The way of wisdom to guarding your heart, you must look straight ahead to Jesus, you must watch your step, and you must keep yourself from getting sidetracked. These are the keys that will help you guard your heart. So how do we do that? How do we guard our hearts? You don't want to miss what I'm going to say, so write this down. Take a picture of the notes or the slides. Take, uh, ask for the notes afterwards, whatever you want to do, but don't leave here blindfolded. We're about to land this plane in three, two, one. Five ways God helps us guard our hearts. I don't want to give you a bunch of information. I want you to be able to apply this what you, into your life. I want you to walk away from here with more ammo to fight the enemy back, right? <laughs> you don't go hunt you without, without any bullets, right? <laughs> so this is your ammo that you need to continue to guard your heart. Here's number one. God will open your eyes to the truth of the gospel. Any true healing must begin with our relationship with Jesus. This is the point Jesus made over and over again right 
at the beginning of his public ministry. In Mark 2:17, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. Aren't you glad we serve a God who stepped down from his kingdom, came down to become one of us, to become a human being, to live a perfect life, to die for our sins on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Notice that he came for sinners. And the Bible says in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's every single one of us. And yet we have a God that we serve who forgives us and gives us the grace to empower us to continue to walk more like Jesus. Amen? We don't have to do good deeds to work our way up to heaven. Right? No, we serve a God who's forgiven us of our sin. And not only that, he don't leave us there saying, you know, you, okay, you prayed a prayer, you're a Christian now, you're on your own. No, he gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us. He helps us. He gives us the grace to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk. The gospel is the good news that God saves us when we repent of our sins, place our faith in Jesus Christ, and depend on God's grace alone for salvation. God wants us whole, God wants us pure, and God wants us free from sin. So if God is truly beginning to heal your heart, your eyes will be drawn to the glorious person and the work of Jesus Christ. That's how you know, man, there's something about, I just want more of God. Now, I got saved when I was five years old. I was a kid. I got saved in an independent Pentecostal Spanish church. Went up front crying, tears, you know, crying, and got my call into ministry. And, man, I was, you know, it was a great encounter with God. And it was almost like the, the, the Red Sea parted. You know, it was just this awesome encounter with God. But when I got into my teenage years, I rebelled. I started to walk a different walk. Started to go a separate direction. But then he continued, to, he never left me. The Bible said he never leave you nor forsake you. He was always with me. It was the prayers of my mom and my dad, constantly praying for this knuckle-headed kid of theirs. We could come praying, praying, praying. And then the Lord continued to be with me, guide me, watch over me. If I had the chance to tell you my testimony, it would take the whole day. But a part of it was he saved me from car accidents. He saved me from being in some major crazy fights. Okay. He saved me from being attacked when I was in India on my own, preaching, and there was a group of people trying to attack. Saved me from that. He saved me from all kinds of crazy situations because he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Here's the second thing. God will heal your heart by confronting any personal sin that is causing the damage. There are certainly wounds to the heart that happen for reasons besides personal sin. If you are abused by someone, if tragedy happens in your life, or if you lose a relationship you truly cared about, there are examples, these are examples of wounds that are not because of sin. However, very often the deepest wounds in our heart are caused by our own sinful actions. We all struggle with that, right? God would not heal your heart and then leave the source of the problem to damage your heart again. God never heals us by ignoring the root issues. God attacks sin in our lives and he won't let us ignore anything that we are allowing to pull us away from him. So one sign that God is truly beginning to heal your heart is if he is magnifying your convictions towards your sin. Another sign that, that God is truly beginning to heal your heart is if the Holy Spirit is forming a passionate conviction in you to repent of your sins in your life. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's coming at you saying, come, turn, turn around, stop, look, listen, come this way. You're heading for the danger. You're heading in the wrong direction. And all he wants you to do is listen to him. 
But we want to wait till everything's perfect, till we have everything together in our lives before we come to Jesus. Don't wait. Let's come to him. He'll take you just as you are. Right? I think at the end of every Billy Graham sermon when he did his crusades, they sang that song, just as I am, right? When they gave the salvation call, because Jesus takes you just as you are. You don't have to wait to be perfect to come to Jesus. See, that's not the God that we serve. For Buddha, you got to do good, thing, good deeds. For Muhammad, you got to pray 145 times, right? But Jesus, he saves all of us. He knocks on the door of our heart and he says, I'll take you just as you are. Amen. Like he did to the woman at the well. Yes. Like he did me. <laughs> And like he did some of you here, I'll take you just as you are. Here's the third thing. God will heal your heart by causing you to offer people radical and undeserved forgiveness. When you forgive someone who doesn't deserve it, you are taking back your control. God doesn't force us to forgive. He commands forgiveness, but then lets it be our choice. Here's the thing. When we choose not to forgive, we hold ourselves in a trap. We hold ourselves in prison. The people that harmed us, they're not even thinking about that. The one that's in prison is us because we choose not to forgive, right? We choose to have that unforgiveness in our lives and our hearts begin to get harder. And I'm talking about guarding your heart this morning. Be quick to forgive. And I know it's hard depending on what they did to you. I'm not saying that you forget what they've done to you or you, you don't think about it, but be quick to forgive so that your heart will not get hard and you can continue that race that you were called to run with the Lord as his follower. Amen? One of the reasons God allows our forgiveness of others to be our choice is because God knows that choosing is part of the healing process. We have to make that choice. He's given us a free will. And so choosing to do that begins the healing that we need by choosing forgiveness. Do you know why God chose to forgive us even though we didn't deserve it? Because God is sovereign and he chose to do whatever he wants. He chooses to do whatever he wants. But God has supreme power and control over everything. He chose to send Jesus to pay for our sins so that we can be forgiven. Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Forgiveness is one of the most powerful ways to find the healing your heart desperately desires. And I think so many people, we have a hard time coming to Jesus because we don't forgive ourselves. We've done some stuff in our life and we, just, we don't forgive ourselves. We, we, hold, we, we say, man, how can I be so foolish? Like, how can I do something so crazy? How could Jesus love somebody like me who had done this, that, and the other? <laughs> and think about all the people that he saved, right? Think about the Apostle Paul who was there to murder Christians, right? And God saved him and used him. Wow. I could stop right there. <laughs> How can Jesus forgive me? Even if you have a hard time forgiving yourself, know that he can forgive you. Even if you have a hard time forgiving somebody else, know that he can forgive you. Here's the fourth thing. When God truly begins to heal your heart, he will help you to not waste your pain. Whenever pain, when, it, when painful things happen in our lives, there are so many things we don't know. 
We won't know what the outcome will be. We won't know how long this pain will last, and we won't know why all this is happening. But there's one thing we can know with certainty, that pain will change us. It will change us. We will be changed by our pain, but how we are changed depends on what we do with our pain. If we use our pain to press into God rather than using it to run from God, our pain can actually become part of the healing process. God often brings the deepest forms of healing to our hearts through the most painful life circumstances. Oftentimes we won't let God touch the most broken pieces or places in our hearts until we have no other choice. Sometimes when life finally knocks us down, it is only then that we are open enough for God's healing touch to reach the deepest wounds within us. We can't escape the trials of life, but we do have a choice in how we respond in our darkest hour. We will, will we cry out to God, or will we run with all the weights of pain holding us back? Will we cry out to God, or will we run with all the weight of pain holding us back, and we're trying to walk this life with all the pain? Right? Six months ago, I experienced the most painful thing in my life. My mom went home to be with the Lord. And I, man, I loved my mother. I called her every single day. I was a mama's boy. I'm okay with that. I loved her. I called her often. I would pray for her. She would pray for me. Really close to my mom. If you see pictures, there was, you know, I look like her a lot. And I remember the day that it happened. I'm going to Walmart over here in North Florida. That's like my second home. They have a bed right there, you know, my name on it. I'm there all the time. I'm telling you, I'm there all the time. I live there. And I'm walking inside Walmart, and I'm talking to my mom on the phone, and she says, Raphael, I'm not feeling good. And by this time, she, it's been days that she has not been feeling good. And I say, I know, Mom, I know. You've been sick for a long time, Mom. She said, pray for me. And so I prayed for her. And after that prayer, she said, that was such a great prayer. Thank you very much. Little did I know that that was the last time I would talk to my mom. I didn't have a sense over me that that would be the last time. I didn't have this unction. I didn't have this, like, you know, feeling. I, just, I had no clue. And I get the call later on from my sister. They rushed my mom to the hospital, and she's saying, Raphael, come quickly because mom's not doing well. And she lives in Palm Harbor, Clearwater area, so I'm trying to jump in the car, get there as quick as possible. I didn't make it on time. I get there, she's already gone. And when I walk to the hospital bed, just like that song says, you walk to the hospital bed, she can barely lift her head. I just, all I can say is, you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Yes. And I'm there, it's like everybody was surrounded. My family was all there. People from church, her church, my brother's church, they were all surrounding her, all crying. I didn't cry. Like God was preparing my heart on the way there. I think the trip there was preparing my heart. I needed to be strong for my family. And that was the most challenging time. But you know what I realized? That every time I called my mother, she would pray for me. Every time I needed advice, I would talk to my mother. Every time I needed to make a decision, Mom, what do you think about this? And I develop a dependency on her rather than seeking God more. I got comfortable with the fact that mom will give me the best advice. My mom was 76 years old when she passed away. 
she was the one I would run to. And when she was, went home to be with the Lord, and even after that, I mean, I was going through the brokenness of that. Go to the funeral, well over 200 people were there. We had two different services. We had some people from the church came. Thank you guys very much for, being, for doing that. Those of you guys who gave cards, thank you very much. And we celebrated with great victory. But it was a dark time for me. Come out of there, and I've not, I was able to escape COVID for almost two years, <laughs> two years. And I wasn't, like, I wasn't even protecting myself. I didn't wear a mask everywhere I went, you know. I was, everywhere I was walking, I was around people, I get COVID after that funeral, and I was in the most darkest times of my life. Lord, my mom's gone, I get COVID, I'm stuck in this house. Like, I'm not one to sit around. I'm always gotta be doing something. Like, I think I'm like ADD or something. You know, gotta, gotta, always doing something. I'm always running, fast, 100 miles an hour. And I'm like, man, I don't have, I can't call my mom right now because she's not here. And I remember saying to myself, I need to come back and work at the school, I work at Sparrow here. I don't want to be broken in front of these kids. I don't want to be angry and lose my cool because I'm upset that my mom has passed away. So I had to continue to pray and seek God's face in those moments. And here's what it says, number five, God will heal your heart through bringing you into his presence. When we seek his face, he will heal us of our broken hearts. He would be with us. There's so much more that could be said about the process of healing, but without doubt, the deepest healing always occurs through the being and presence of God. If I say pray before you come to church, seek his face. It's good to have people that we love and care about and, and, and seek their advice, but make sure God's first before you go to them. Let them be the ones to confirm what God already told you by speaking to them, <laughs> but go to God first, okay? 2 Corinthians 3.17 says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and with the Spirit of the Lord there is freedom. If you want spiritual healing, you must connect with the Holy Spirit who walks you through the pain, your pain on your journey towards healing. If you want to come out of the valley of darkness into the light, you must experience the presence of God personally. That's what David talked about. Yea, dude, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, right? Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Being in the presence of God, and we know that David was not a perfect man. He was not a perfect man, but the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. Wait a minute, he committed adultery, murder, but he was a man after God's heart because he spent time in God's presence. He guarded his heart. He had his own children backstab him. He had his own son Absalom trying to kill him. And he guarded his heart by being in the presence of God. So now is the time to experience the presence of God in a personal way. Now is the time to throw off the weights, weight off of us and run the race that is set before us. Now is the time to run with endurance. Who's ready? Who's ready to live a life in a way of wisdom? And who, who's ready to reach out and let God heal our hearts this morning? Who's ready to guard our hearts? Who's ready for that to happen to your life this morning? 